Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, visit PCAPainted.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all of you non-members out there, sign up for a free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the App Store and Google Play. Hey everybody, it is Jim Johnson, your host of Contractor Radio, uh, founder of Contractor Coach Pro and author of The Contractor's Blueprint, where we're here to help you get control of your business so that you can grow your business and achieve that personal and financial freedom that you've been chasing since you started your business. There's a certain amount of things that we need to do in our businesses and they need to be done in order in order for us to achieve that freedom. We teach that, we help with that, and we hope that this show uh, helps you guys get a better grip on that. And one of the things that uh, we struggle with as contractors is uh, we, we sometimes make some money. Like we make some pretty good money to this and then maybe the wrong crowd influences us and we make some bad decisions and uh, we're going to guest on today that we're going to talk about what that looks like and then maybe some ways to avoid it. And if we don't avoid it, what we could do about it. Um, I have a lot of respect for this guy. I, I've gotten to know him pretty well over the last few years. And to see him plant his flag on morals and ethics and uh, the way that we should approach it in this industry has been awesome to watch. And I uh, can't wait to get on with him for a few minutes today while he's sitting in a hotel in Fort Myers, Florida, doing what he does best, which is helping people recover from a hurricane and needing their roofs replaced. But before we do that, a little word from one of our amazing sponsors, Atlas Roofing Shingles. The Atlas Pro Plus Contractor Program is designed to help you build your business. It gives you tools and resources, training, industry insights, bonus structures, technical knowledge, the brand power and science of 3M Scotchgard, and what we think is the best product and warranty in the industry. Become part of the family that is succeeding and growing their businesses. We went from nobody ever heard of us to the number one roofing company in our region. And we've gone from 12 roofs a year to 20, 35, and we did over 400 last year. We're on track right now to do a thousand roofs this year. You'll begin earning Atlas bucks and rewards as you move up to even greater reward levels. Become an Atlas Pro today. All right, guys, that's a little word from Atlas. If you haven't checked them out yet, get with your local rep. And one of the things we like about them is the amount of energy they pour into you as a contractor to help you succeed out there in the field. And then also this idea of being able to be a bit unique in your field so that uh, you can separate yourself from the market. Go check out Atlas Roofing Shingles. Find your local rep and let them know you heard about it on Contractor Radio. I'm Prithviver County, and we've got recruiting best practices, pain and training resources, and a bare pro sweepstakes coming your way in this PCA Minute. It's recruiting season. If you're wondering where all the good candidates are, we got you covered. There's an entire section on PCA Overdrive dedicated to hiring, recruiting, and retention. Curated from your favorite podcasts, expo sessions, and virtual events, you'll learn to hire and keep rock stars in your company. Just look for the hiring, recruiting, and retention lane on PCA Overdrive. Get your crew field ready faster with PCA's painter training. PCA Overdrive provides free access to painter training videos in English and Spanish. Our training portal offers a more in-depth learning experience through a guided pathway. Each module has an assessment and certificates are awarded at the completion of each level. To learn more, go to pcapaintad.org slash training. Finally, enter for a chance to win the Bear Pro Painter Sweepstakes. Price includes $5,000 worth of Bear, Kills, Graco, and 3M products. Visit pca.so slash Bear Pro Sweepstakes to enter now. Now today, we're going to be talking uh, with a very special guest, a guy that's really like one of the pillars of our industry, uh, as far as I'm concerned. 
and he is the owner of Northwest Roofing and founder of Roofers in Recovery. Hey, Paul, it's great to have you uh, here with us today on Contractor Radio. Uh, you have been a guy that's been an amazing influence today uh, through our industry, um, through what you've done over your history. You've been in this a long time. How many years have you been in it now? I'm actually celebrating my 30th year in roofing this year. 30 years. Good. You've got me beat. This is my 24th or 25th. I got to go look. It's 25th. This is my 25th year. And uh, there's not too many guys that's got more industry years than I do. So it's going to be awesome to talk to you today. Um, We're going to talk about some kind of tough things. Uh, Some things that uh, this industry kind of puts us in position where we can make some money sometimes, do pretty well. And uh, when we make that money, we kind of get opened up to all these opportunities and things that go on out there. And if we're running with the wrong crowd or influenced by the wrong people, we may make some bad decisions. And um, I I think that's something that you could give us some insight on, maybe give us some caution on, and then help folks uh, with our podcast today to understand some of those trap doors that are out there in this industry. So uh, could you do me a favor real quick? Just give us a brief history, like how you got into the industry and then um, bring us up to speed to where you are today. Great. Yeah. Thank you, Jim. So, you know, ironically enough, I actually got into the roofing industry because of drugs and alcohol. As, as odd as that sounds, um, 30 years ago, I grew up on a farm and ranch in, in uh, Southern Colorado and, and really I had every intention of just, you know, farming and ranching and driving a truck, you know, my whole life, like my, like my dad and his dad and, you know, uncles and around. And I had a cousin that, that was a roofer and he had started a roofing company there uh, 30 miles away from us. And he actually, you know, the old story that you hear where they get the first check and go and spend it on, on, on something they should have, shouldn't have, and he got arrested. It was actually the sheriff's house that he took a check from, and he got arrested for stealing a check. And my dad had always kind of taken care of my cousin, and he asked me, um, he goes, hey, instead of you know going out farming ranching today, go help your cousin put this roof on. He needs your help. Uh, I'll pay you. He don't have any money. And I went and bought, the, you know, my dad went and bought the material um, for the roof. I met my cousin there and and we we did this man's roof. I'd never been on a roof in my life. And oddly enough, I loved it. I loved being on a roof. I loved tear the whole process of tearing it off and then building it back and you know, kind of the seeing what you had accomplished in a day or, you know, I'm sure at that time it was just me and him. So it probably took us a week to do, you know, a 30 square house ourselves. But I, I loved that process and and to be honest with you. I was sitting up there drinking beer and, and, and smoking weed with my cousin. And I was like, man, this is the greatest job in the world. So that was my introduction into, into roofing. So, <laughs> how, how old were you? I was 18. Holy cow. Yeah. And, yeah. and you like, this is odd. Like it sounds like manual labor. It's hot and sweaty. Um, it's up on a roof, kind of dangerous. It could be. Uh, yeah. And you liked it. That That's, you don't hear that story very often. That's pretty unique. No, I absolutely loved it. And, you know, I've always taken a lot of pride in, you know, the the work that got accomplished that I was part of. You know, I'm kind of that guy that drives around in the neighborhood and goes, I roofed that house. I roofed that house. We did that apartment complex. We did that building. I, I still do that to this day, but I always have taken a lot of pride in, you know, in, in my work and our work that the company has done. But I just fell into roofing, you know, 30 years ago. And so, for the next 15 years, I was actually, you know, working with my cousin and eventually started my own cut company a year or two later and, you know, just just did roofing for 15 years. So I was actually the guy that would go out and I'd get a lead from, you know, the yellow books, uh, the yellow pages. We had ads, the yellow pages. They would call and you go give them an estimate and, you know, all retail. And I was the guy that would do that and go put the roof on myself. Uh, 15 years later, found myself in a in a drug and alcohol treatment center for a meth addiction. And, you know, looking back on, at it, just kind of that typical common story of, you know, really just kind of started out drinking a little beer and smoking some weed and, you know, eventually tried a little bit of harder things. And before I knew it, 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 it had grabbed me and 
I had a 15 year run with that and wow. moved to Denver and kind of made a promise to myself that I would never uh, go back because, you know, the pitfalls of, of being around all of that. And the, because the guys that I was with back then, they're, if they're not dead, they're still doing it. So where where was promise. that? Uh, Southern Colorado, down by Alamosa, Colorado. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Small community, yeah. Uh, great sand dunes. Got, great I'm, sand I'm dunes, yeah. yes. So instead of Pete in a pickup, it was Paul in a pickup. You're, you're yes. a one-man show, like sell it, uh, estimate it, yeah. or the materials, and put it on. Yes. Uh, and uh, so so made some bad decisions. Yeah. Went do, Go through recovery at that time, at that 15-year mark? Yeah. You know, I... I Finally, it had enough. I really, um, I didn't think I was really a drug addict. I just knew that there was something wrong with, with me because I couldn't stop using drugs. But to me, drug addicts <laughs> didn't have a job, and you know, were homeless, and you know, blah blah blah. But at the time, Jim, I weighed about 160 pounds. Today, I weigh about 235. So, you know, literally twice the man I used to be. <laughs> but I, I, I weighed 160 pounds. And I called my sister just out of the blue one day. Um, and I was like, I need help. And next thing I know, it was bad enough that I was actually in a mental hospital for uh, three or four days before I got into treatment, into rehab. So I went to a 30-day treatment center in uh, Denver, Colorado. And after that, I've just done the deal and stayed sober ever since. That's pretty amazing. I mean, there's a lot of folks that the first time they go into recovery – when they come out is like right back to it. Right. Um, do you have any insight into why that might be? Is it because the thing that sounds different about what you did is you were in Alamosa, went to Denver, went through recovery, came out and went, I'm not going back there. I'm going over here. Like you tried to avoid maybe that group. I, well, I, I did. There, there was something they told me in, in rehab and they were like, you know, Hey, there's only one thing that you need to change in your life. And that's everything. Right. <laughs> Which makes no sense. You know, you're like, okay, I'll change one thing, but then they're like everything. And you know, a, a lot of people, I think, I think really I'm pretty blessed because, you know, I did I did have young children. I was divorced and and they were they were living with their mom and I had to have a conversation with them, you know, at one point and say, you know, hey, obviously dad's not okay and I've got to go over here for a while. Right. And my kids were, you know, very young, but they also understood and they preferred that I do that as well. So I'm, I'm very fortunate that I was able to not have to go home that, you know, my ex-wife was, you know, raising the kids. So it was a, it was a very hard choice, but I, I see it happen a lot to a lot of people. And that's that's pretty extreme. But, you know, some guys get a little bit of sobriety or we, we send them to rehab and, you know, we warn them like, hey, you know, all your old friends, like you have to lose their phone number because <laughs> you just fall back into it. You know, you could do good for a little bit, but that, that trap. And so we, so what we really push for guys is like, you know, how can we help you literally change everything? You know, there, there's, there's sometimes you're married to another addict and we're like, Hey, I know you probably think you love her or may love her, but maybe you shouldn't be together right now. It's, it's a tough deal. Yeah. So there's something for like changing your environment, right? Like, Hey, this is my environment. I got to change that in order to, uh, to, to make real change in my life. You know, it doesn't sound like the common route. Like, like you were kind of high functioning, I guess, addict is what we would call it. Like I, you were able to keep your job, do your, do what you need to do, make a little money. Um, where a lot of people go a different route. You, we all have this perception or am, or am I wrong? Like that my perception's off. No, I, I mean, I, I was pretty, that was the issue. I was a pretty high functioning addict. You know, I, I was on cocaine for years and I still ran a very successful company and I had over 60 guys that worked for me. Wow. Right. And, you know, we somehow made it work, but I got on meth and a year and a half later, I was in a mental hospital, you know, meth, meth took me down pretty, pretty darn quick, but you know, I, I didn't think I was a drug addict because I was never out begging for $20 of, of drugs. And the only reason I wasn't was because I thought I was smart enough. Or I thought this was a smart idea, but I was buying it in large quantities and selling off half of it to support my habit. You know, so I was literally, you know, dealing drugs and using the profits off of that to support my own habit. 
because I never had to go beg anybody for $20 of drugs, I wasn't an addict in my mind. The, the other thing that strikes me as like odd is there wasn't like this pinnacle moment where things changed. Like you made a phone call. That was the uh, moment, but you, you didn't go to jail or prison or anything. I mean, or did you? Uh, no, I, I, I didn't. There was a, there was a moment. I, I, I say it by the grace of God, I was never arrested or, or, and I, I should have been, I literally drove, you know, under the influence for 15 years. But what, what actually had happened, Jim, was I was roofing a house and I ended up shooting my kneecap with a nail gun when I was doing the ridge cap. And I uh, somehow... I think every roofer shoots yeah, themselves with a gun yeah, once. I, at least. Well, <laughs> I, had, I had put it into my kneecap and a guy that was with me on the job ended up pulling out, pulling out the nail. It was an inch and three quarter ridge nail. He pulled it out. And I just went back around my day and went back to work and, you know, whatever. Three days later, the, the, the lady that I was with at the time, she looked at my leg. She seen, happened to see my leg and goes, what the heck's wrong with your leg? And it was very, very infected. And so I was, she was like, you need to go to the hospital. So I went to the emergency room. And, oh, no, I went to the doctor. And the only reason I really did was because I thought that I could probably convince them into giving me some pain pills. And then I was like, oh, I could sell these pain pills. So when I went to the doctor's office, 30 minutes later, they actually had me in emergency surgery to help save my leg. Wow. So, yeah. So I woke up from that surgery and I had a pretty traumatic experience during the surgery. My body literally shut down because I hadn't slept, you know, or ate or anything for a long time. And I think my body once, because obviously I didn't tell them I was, you know, a meth addict and under the influence. I'm sure they probably could look at me and tell I had something going on. But I actually, um, my body just kind of gave up and was like, whew, let's rest. And so they had a really extreme time trying to bring me back out of the surgery. And I, I remember I had, I don't know what you want to call them, like vivid dreams or, or whatever when I was in surgery where... I literally seen my body leaving. I was above my body, like going, and I, I'll never forget. I mean, I have chills right now talking about it, but I'll never forget just crying and begging God, like, I'm sorry, like, let me go back. Like, I'm, I, I have kids and don't take me. Like, I knew I was going, and where I was going, I could feel wasn't a place that I wanted to go to. Like there was a complete darkness and, and just tear as I was going. And anyway, I came back and uh, they, they put me in a recovery room and they put me in a, a hospital room. That night I woke up and I literally took out all the IVs and left the hospital, went and got in my pickup and drove away and went and got high. Three days later is when I kind of had a mental breakdown really and called my sister and was like, I'm not doing good. Like, so that, I, that I was something that was really yeah. the thing, like yeah. that, the whole experience in the hospital and yeah. probably weighing on you. Cause after you got out, you went and got high right away. And when you cleared up from that, you went, what the hell did I just do after what I just went through? Um, oh man, that, I think, I think that's kind of what it takes. Am I wrong? Like I, one thing about me, I thank God. I don't know why, because I've, definitely been around the wrong influences in my life. I've never gone down that road. So I can't really put myself in those shoes. But um, is that is that a similar story to to most that something pretty awful like has to happen before you go, okay, I'm going to do something about it? There, there really is. And we call it your bottom, finally reaching your bottom. And, and some people, you know, have an unbelievably extreme bottom, right? There, there's so many people that have a similar story to that, but they keep going. Right. And, and, you know, you would think, well, wow, that has to be their bottom, but it's not, they have extremely low bottom. And that was my bottom. Right. I, I, I hit that. And yes, it took me another three days to, you know, try to do something about it, but that was my bottom. And, and I, I feel from my experience of being around, you know, addicts, you know, literally every day is at some point they have to get true recovery. They have to hit that bottom and be like, okay, I'm done digging. I'm going to start climbing up. Yeah, man, that is, uh, and 
sometimes they go the other way too. Like they hit bottom and then they just never come back from, they just stay there. Um, every day is that's the existence is the bottom. You know, you, you deal with it whenever you're, you're walking around in a large city, you know, people begging, like you were talking about, like everybody thinking that's what an addict is. I think that's an addict at the ultimate bottom that probably doesn't have this next step coming for them. Right. So you, you 15 years go through recovery, been clean ever since, um, moved to Denver. Is that when you got involved with Northwest Riving? No, oddly enough, I, I got, I took a recommendation from one of the counselors at my drug treatment center to go to work for a company called uh, total home exteriors. And, and they were a pretty large company in Denver at the time. They would originated from like Minnesota, I believe. Yep. And I went to work with, with those guys. Um, I was there for three years and worked my way up from actually being the, when they first hired me was day 31 of my sobriety. First day I got out of rehab and I worked my way up to being an actual partner in that company um, three years later. Wow. And my, yeah, I, I just, I didn't, I went to AA meetings and worked. You came into it with some experience too. Like, Hey, I built this other big company. Like I can, I can help here. That's pretty cool. And so just kind of worked my butt off and kept my nose down and, and went to work. And three years later, uh, myself and the gentleman that I was partners with got cross and uh, we had a pretty bad business breakup. Uh, those are worse than divorces. You know, like I, I'd rather have a divorce. I've been through both and like the divorce was way easier. Yeah, I have too. <laughs> and it was not, not easy. Yeah, that's so, a piece of advice though, like for contractors out there, you know, if you're in a partnership, you got to realize like you're married. You really are. You're married to that person and finances tends to be the, the key thing that messes up relationships, whether that's business or um, uh, a marriage. Was that what it was? Was it a financial thing that kind of got between the two of you? Yeah. Yeah, it absolutely yeah. was. You know, and, and, and in hindsight, you know, originally I, all the blame, I put all the blame on, on him. Right. But in hindsight, it was, you know, it was, a, it was a mutual thing that we were both, you know, just kind of had our own ideas and different directions and kind of greed came into place on, on both of our ends. And, you know, we, yeah. we split and it was, you know, pretty, pretty devastating. Right. Cause I, boy, I'd really climbed the, the ladder. I had thought, you know, after, you know, my, my issues with, with drugs and next thing I know, I'm like, and I'm going to say it didn't come out your way financially very well. No, no, I <laughs> lost. I lost like 1.6 million. So, yeah, man, that that smarts. Yes. So now is when we get to Northwest Reaving. <laughs> no, it gets better. <laughs> so I decide. So Kim and I decide, like, hey, let's just we'll go do our own thing, and you know that's just what it is. And so. We went back to uh, Alamosa, where I'm, where I'm originally from, because I knew that the whole San Luis Valley was filled with T-locks, right? Back then, there was a lot of T-locks around, and oh, yeah. remember the old game, if there was one missing, basically, the insurance paid for paid for the roof. So, for 30 days, we ran what was called Paul Reed Restoration. So, it started, started up, Paul Reed Restoration, and in the first 30 days, we sold over a million dollars in roofs, and things were going really, really, really good. And oddly enough, uh, Tom Brown, who is now my partner at Northwest Roofing, called me out of the blue. I had met him years before. Um, I'm not, we weren't even friends, I'm going to say. We, we had had some uh, dealings with Northwest versus Total Home, and we were kind of back in the day when you kind of had enemies out on the streets. You remember those old games of, of door knocking? So I wasn't the biggest fan of Tom Brown, and um, he called me out of the blue and was like, I don't really know why, but something prompted me to call you and we need to talk. And I was like, about what? You know, cause I was still mad at him from years before. And he goes, we need to partner up. And I'm going, dude, I just came out of this bad breakup here. Right? I just came out of one bad no marriage <laughs> and I just lost, you know, millions of dollars here. And uh, yeah, right, not gonna happen. But I said, I'll pray about it. And he's like, okay, and I did. And the answer was like, you guys should work together. 
and that didn't make any sense, right? And and sometimes it still doesn't, right? But uh, it 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 uh, was meant to be, you know. My my prayers were answered of like, you guys are to do things together and, you know, go from there. So that's the start of Northwest Roofing with myself and Tom. And you guys built a pretty good company. Like, what he we- was, yeah, yeah. He was, you know, at the, at the time when he first called me, he was already running, you know, eight to ten million a year, successful, had you know, really good sales guys, and they were doing a great job. So he he didn't need me to come in and be a partner, right? And I didn't need him to to be my partner. But he didn't want another total home out there. <laughs> that was what he right. was like. He I got to get this guy before he gets yeah. rolling too far. <laughs> Could it could have been, but you know, I, I just, we were put together and, and we've, we've grown it ever since. That's pretty awesome. That's one of those like, uh, you know, reclamation story type things. You could probably write a book about it at some point. Have you thought about that? Like writing a book about this whole thing? I, I really want to write a book and I just haven't taken the time. Right. Cause <laughs> uh, I just need, to, I need to do it, but I just have not taken the time. Yeah, you and I have sat and talked and and had a few stories. I'm like, <laughs> those are those stories from back in the days. Uh, those are classics that'll never. I don't think they'll ever be beat. Um, so let's let's talk about um, how the other stuff came into play. Like you, you've been roofing, you had your business, you 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 went through recovery, new business, Northwest Roofing, and. Um, it grew like you guys grew that thing pretty good, like fifty million. Am I off on that? We were real close to that number. A little less, yeah, a little less, yeah, yeah. Okay, so forties yeah. and okay, yeah. Um, and uh, all of a sudden, I'm aware of who Paul Reed, and I didn't know who he was. I knew of Tom, like I had met him before because I was selling AccuLinks and software and stuff, but I didn't really know you. You and I hadn't met through that. And then all of a sudden, you're like at all these events. You're, you're you're attending them at first, and then you're speaking at them, and uh, there's starting to be some awareness of who Paul Reed is. Was that intentional, or did it just happen by happenstance? Like, because we didn't do that before. None of us did. Like, there it didn't exist. There wasn't all these conferences and influencers and blah blah. blah. I hate all that stuff. I think you do too. But um, there's a part of it where. I think we we come from a, of this angle. I want to share and help, uh, and so so what prompted it? Was it intentional? It at first, absolutely not. It was just I I, I did realize at one point that hey, there's other companies out there, other people out there that are doing things right, and I should probably pay attention to them and learn what they're doing as well, because you know when I got to Denver 15 years ago, like everybody was your enemy, and you didn't speak to anybody. Like you know, I remember big gang war out in the streets with total home and, and interstate, you know, Scotty's company. That's how I met Scotty Riopel. Like you, <laughs> you didn't pay attention. You like, you just hated everybody. Are know? we talking like a literal fist fight, like gang war? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. This, this industry, man. <laughs> yeah. So because one of my guys stole the $6,000 roof from one of his guys type deal. But that was a common <laughs> common thing back then you know in in denver but i i started just kind of going hey there's got to be more out there right and so i started going to the conferences and then to be honest with you after going to a few conferences i don't know if it i'm I'm, I'm not going to say it was my ego but there was a lot of stuff that was being preached on stage that was like that's wrong that and and i i think i could teach that better or explain that better or, or or be a better example of that and so at some point, there was kind of some intentionality behind it of going, I think there's a group of people out there that, you know, I have a story and a, and a past and a history and, and some experience of, of doing this, and, and maybe they need to hear from from me. So there there was some intention, yes. Yeah, and there's, there's like the dark side and the light side, maybe two different cultures that go on in this industry, and they're pretty, like, there's not many in the gray. I don't think as like you either are or you aren't, or do you see it that way? Or are there a bunch of people in the gray trying to figure out which side? I a hundred percent think that there is the, the dark and the light that you want to call it. Right. And, you know, listen, I used to try to go to a lot of the, I mean, I, I hate to say it right, but go to a lot of the dark because I was like, 
I maybe if I'm the light at this dark, this is going to bring people back over there. And, you know, I, I think it did for a lot of people as well, but it also put a bad light on me going, why, why are you associating with those guys? You know, the first few years, I think I might've been a little naive and was like, uh, you know, whatever, it's not a big deal. But then at some point I realized, because I don't think most people realize how many people are actually watching them. You know, if I well, see a Jim I Johnson that, at this deal, I'm going, well, Jim supports it. Yeah, no kidding. Um, I, I went to the, the event we're talking about once and I went, never coming back to this because no matter how bright of a light I can shine, um, that culture is there and I'm not going to change that culture from the outside. Now, I can influence the people that I talk to and I can influence an industry by putting my content out, but at somebody else's thing, it's hard to shift what their culture is. And uh, I mean, more power to them. Like if that's what you want to do, go for it. Good for you. Uh, Just not my jam. And and I got a lot of flack. I think that was the first time you and I met was at that event. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I caught a lot of flack from my clients. Like, dude, what do you, I thought we were different and maybe you're the same. And I had to kind of explain like, yeah, I was asked to be here because they wanted somebody like me here. And then everything got sideways. Well, that's not what we're here to talk about. What I think is more important about that is this people are always watching you no matter who you are, like whether you're a small company, a big company, an influencer or a non-influencer, you still have your measure of people that are paying attention to you and watching you, especially if you own a company that you're their leader. And if you do something outside of what you say you are or outside of your behavior, like I say, I'm a strong Christian. I say, I'm a man of faith. I say that um, ethics are important in this industry. Being professional is important in this industry. And I show up at an event that doesn't um, seem like that, I'm going to get questioned. So I have to be on my guard all the time. Once you plant your flag like that, you have, boom, this is who I am. You have to really question what am I going to do and what am I not going to do? Uh, I'll never forget being on Dmitry Lipinski's show and him asking me about Vegas. And I told him I'm never going back to Vegas. He's like, what? I said, I mean, it's called Sin City. Like, I can't go there. I can't go be a part of that. He goes, well, you can go be a good person in I'm like, no, I just, it's being in one of those cultures that doesn't quite fit. And so people question. You're so, you're so right with that, Jim. I, I had a hard lesson of realizing that people are watching where you go and who you support. Hey there, I bet business is probably picking up for you right now and things are feeling good. And using the right tools like Estimate Rocket can help keep it that way. Estimate Rocket offers professional estimates and proposals with digital signature, single source work orders for the entire team, lead to paid job management, full scheduling tools with mapping and time tracking, automated email campaigns, invoicing that exports to any accounting system, and deep data analysis reports. Go to EstimateRocket.com for a free 30-day trial to see if Estimate Rocket is a fit for you. Yeah, so you you go to these events, you start to make a bit of a name for yourself, and, and I noticed right away, like this dude isn't like the other dudes. Like he he's got some emotional intelligence. He's professional. Um, he he knows the industry. Obviously, that's not um, uh, something I questioned. He's got great leadership skills, and so it was kind of natural that you started to attract people to you because, like I said, we all have our measure, and and. Not to be egotistical, but you're known now, right? Which were you cool with that or not cool with that? Um, I think when I first realized that I was known, it it actually scared me <laughs> because I was still trying to deal with you know just mental stuff, you know, from getting sober, and I I kind of had this this complex uh, of I can't remember what they call it scientifically or psychologically, but where I felt like I wasn't enough. Imposter syndrome. Yes, yes, yes. That's it. The imposter syndrome. I was terrified. I would be on stage in front of thousands of people. And I was, I knew someone was going to stand up and, and say, what are you doing up here? Like, (laughs) like, I know who you really are. And I battled that for a long time. Um, You know, and literally had to work with kind of a mental coach to, overcome those things. But I, I will say this, like I, 
one of my problems that I had as a, as a young man and, and for a lot of my life was like ego. I was the most cocky, crazy person, but I was also yet the most insecure. So one thing that when I got sober and I learned through AA was I really always had to keep my ego in check. And so there has been times where, you know, people run up and they're like, oh my gosh, you know, I want to meet you. And, you know, you feel like you're freaking Joe Namath, right? Like for a little bit. And then you have, and I know you get that too. Like it's Jim Johnson. And I've always really worked on making sure my ego doesn't allow me to, to do that because I have seen other leaders and you want to call them leaders in the industry where people have approached them and they wouldn't even give them a time of day. And so one thing I've always worked on was going, if someone comes up to me and wants to talk to me and shake my hand and, and meet me or, and do whatever, I'm going to be where I'm at and I, I'm going to give them two minutes all in, right? Because I've seen people do that and it drives me crazy. That's actually something that I really appreciate about you. Um, we, we lost a really good guy in our industry um, this last week in a, in a plane. He was like that too. Dustin Beagler, he, he didn't shy away from you. And, and I mean, pretty much famous like that guy, right? But he would always take time for you. And that, that's a really good point for you leaders out there, people aspiring to lead. When you make it, don't forget where you came from. Like seriously, keep that humility about you and, and people will be more attracted to that than your BS ego that uh, you think you're the second we talk about this all the time, uh, Chuck, Toki and myself about sales guys, right? And you could probably attest to this. The second you put yourself on the pedestal, like I know everything I need to know and I'm the top dog, you can pretty much guarantee that guy's going downhill. Like, we'll see him later. It's over for him. When you can't tell him what to do anymore, when you can't help him, when he's like telling everybody else they need to help him because he's the top sales guy, that's when I go, yep, that guy's done. Do you agree? Oh, 100%. I've, I've seen it 100 times. And I've so, seen guys flash in the pan in the roofing industry that get put on stage that are gone. The worst part about it now, though, is like they have one of those great, like years and they go sell a bunch because they got a storm and Hey, I'm a million dollar sales guy. Now they're coaches. Like I got all, all kinds of competition where those guys are like, Hey, I'm a coach now. I can teach everybody how to sell and run a sales team and all that stuff. It's, it's been kind of humorous to watch and I'm, I'm all for it. I think times like what we're going through right now with this recession economics will kind of clear that up. Uh, but it is what it is, right? Like anytime you're into something that is perceived as good, I think people jump into it if the barrier is small. That's what roofing is. Bar small barrier, everybody jumps in it, you can make a big profit. It takes a little bit more than that to get into it. And same with the whole coaching thing. Um, and just so everybody knows out there, to be very clear, if you want to make money, contracting is a lot more beneficial than coaching. If I wanted to make money, I'd go do that immediately. Um, so, Paul, all this happens. It brings you like to this level of influence and i noticed there was a, a change in you like you went this stuff isn't feeling good i want to do something that i think is something missing in our industry and i'll never forget you guys putting on storm into a new era um i i think that was the point where i went mm, maybe he's not full of shit like maybe he is like uh, like serious about this thing and I, I was honored, honored, absolutely, to come and speak at the event, be a part of it, um, be engaged in it. And I went, hey, you know what? These guys are really trying to do it right. Not just from a business standpoint, from but from a human being and spiritual standpoint. It, I, I don't know if that could ever be replicated again. That very first one was just different. Do you, do you agree that this last one was great? Don't get me wrong, but that first one was just like, wow, that's the first time I've heard that many people talk about God. A hundred percent. I don't think it could ever be replicated. And it was at the right time, the right place with the, with the right people there. Right. Like I wish there would have been a football stadium full. Right. But there was 250 people, the right people in the room. And it was, you know, one of the most powerful things I've, I've ever been part of. And that, that came directly off of, you know, being at other events that it was like, there's gotta, there's gotta be other people out there, you know, that have the same ideals and, and same thoughts and, and want to do things different. 
Well, I think the best part of what came out of that was there was a, there was, there was now like clearance given. There was like, Hey, it's okay to talk about God. It's okay to talk about ethics and morals and business. It's okay to not talk about all the taking advantage of the insurance company possibilities for supplementing under the, in, under the sun. It's okay to talk about those things about being a good human being. And what you guys created was this, since it was okay, everybody could go talk about it. And I think that's the piece that not a lot of people click to from that event is you see the Eric Oberham's myself feeling clearance to like go and talk like, Hey, it's okay to talk about this stuff. And I just want to say thanks for that. Thanks for, for doing that. And what I think that's done for the industry since that time, there's more and more of, I feel like there's this welling towards being professional, ethical, and faith is okay, which I don't think is a bad thing. So after that, you, you're like, okay, um, that was pretty cool. Well, let's start a nonprofit. Um, so, so tell us a little bit about that and what spurred that? Why did that happen? The, it, a hundred percent roofers and recovery, a hundred percent came from, uh, going to a conference in Vegas and one guy unfortunately passed away in a hotel room. And then a very good friend of mine that I, um, actually was his sponsor. Um, he went to the conference. I had suggested he didn't go, but he went. And within an hour, he was drinking and getting high, and he went on a three-day run and either jumped, fell, or got pushed off of a 40-foot overpass and literally died, I think, three times. Um, he was in the hospital, I think, for about 45 days or, or so. And when we, when we left there, it was like, hey, um, we need to really kind of give back. And, and what did that mean? That meant like, okay, there, there needs to be a place kind of a, I hate to use the word, a safe place for, for people when they go to these events, because you know, what are most roofing events? They're pretty alcohol fueled, right? Even, even the, the calmer ones, right? There's a lot of booze flowing and, and why, you know, manufacturers and suppliers, they provide a lot of booze, you know, it's, it's just kind of part of the business. And so we wanted to kind of create a, a meeting to where, you know, you knew that there was other people like you that were struggling and, and you could hang out with those guys instead of, you know, going out to the to the after parties or doing whatever. So that was the start of it. And then from there, it was a phone call. I called Eric one day and was like, hey, I want to start a deal. Let's uh, I'll put in 10 grand. You put in 10 grand and let's send somebody to rehab, you know, in the in the roofing industry. And so that was the start of, of, of it. At that time, it was a nonprofit. We just, you know, thought we would have a charity and, and send some guys. Yeah, the Paul, the Paul and Eric charity. <laughs> yeah. And so very quickly, um, you know, with, with obviously with, with my wife, Kim, we started, started the roofers and recovery and, and had to get official and hire a lawyer and spend a bunch of money to, to, to get qualified and make it a 501 C three. And so from there, that was the, the start of, of roofers and recovery and the intention of roofers and recovery is to you know have a group in our industry that um, you know it's okay to be sober it's okay if you're having an issue like hey we're here to help and so what we do now is um, we get notified either by the owner or a boss or friend or a spouse that hey this person is struggling and we get on a call with them and kind of interview them and kind of go through a few processes and if they qualify which you know most of them can or will we, we send them to a 30 day in treatment center um, that we pay for hundred percent. And from there, we kind of try to mentor them and sponsor them and get them involved in our, in our roofers and recovery group. Keep them, keep them on the straight and narrow. Like the 30 days is great to get them. Um, what's the right word for that? Is it just to get them clean? It, it, it really is because to be honest with you, the first 20 days, you're kind of recovering, you know, you're getting some sleep and some food and getting your mind right. And, you know, day 31 is really when it starts. Yeah. Day 31, like, I'm day out 30 is a, What's my a next good decision? start. Yeah. Yes. And a lot of people make poor decisions. So roofers in recovery really is the outlet to hopefully keep those decisions on the straight and narrow. Is that a fair way of understanding it? 
It, it really is because we, we all kind of look for commonalities, right? Like um, we don't want to feel alone. Like none of us want to feel alone. And, and the, the cool thing about roofers and recovery is, you know, we all have like trigger points, you know, how many times does someone get upset because, well, this homeowner is mad because the drip edge color is wrong and she won't pay the last $1,800 check. And so you go get drunk or high. Right. But go tell that to a normal person. And they're like, uh, it's not a big deal, you know, whatever. But because we all have like these experiences, we're in the same business. We have the same issues. Mrs. Smith is mad at us for this. And this guy did that. And, you know, the crew caused a leak and blah, blah, blah. And, and so it's, it's just like we're a group of, you know, common minded people that are searching for, you know, recovery and to stay, you know, clean and sober. Does your business need more reviews? Nice job can help. Our reputation marketing platform automates review invites to save you time. Reviews are collected and distributed across major platforms such as Google, Facebook, and more. Turn your reviews into customer stories with photos that you can share across your social channels. NiceJob allows you to manage all of this within our platform. Start your free trial today. Yeah, it, and it's been awesome to watch. Um, we, we've been fortunate and honored to help with that as much as we can, whether it's uh, you know straight up giving, helping you guys promote something that you're, you're about. And uh, last year, you guys came up with this idea of uh, National Roofers Day. Yeah. And I was like, oh, what's that? Like, Tell me more. Uh, that sounds cool. Do, do, does, do all the employees of the roofer like celebrate the owner? Is that the deal? Like we're going to have like boss's day, but it's roofer day? Or do we go, like, go celebrate the guys doing the actual work? Like go celebrate the crew. I was like, I'm super excited. And then I was like, no, no. We're going to take all your profit from one job, right? On a specific day, we're going to take all those profits and we're going to help a bunch of people recover. I went, yeah. I'm in. What, what do we got to do to help promote this thing? Yep. This you thing guys be? were awesome last year. Thank Who, you so much. Where, where'd you guys come up with that idea? I, I do not remember. We were talking about, you know, fundraisers because, you know, we are a nonprofit. So we rely on, you know, obviously a lot of our own individual money, but, you know, from, you know, getting donations from people in the industry. And we were really kind of considering like, how can one, how can we get our message out there a lot more? You know, how can we, you know, so this goes all across America. So everyone in America knows, number one, how do we get it out? Number two is how do we, you know, raise money? And so we did, we, we came up with the idea of like, hey, let's have National Roofers and Recovery Day, which let's all try to, you know, we, we could kill two birds, one stone. We could promote it because it's going to be all over social media of, of different people building roofs. We had a few companies, you know, they were able to get their news channel out and do like feature article on the five o'clock news about roofers and recovery day. And then, um, you know, obviously it's, it's our biggest fundraiser of the year. Yeah. I would imagine like, so did it turn out? Well, I, I, I didn't get like the report afterwards. The goal I think was to do a hundred roofs. Was that the way it was or? Yeah. I mean, and to be, to be honest with you, it, it got about probably 30% of the participation of the guys that originally signed up. Um, you know, I was a little disappointed just to be transparent with you uh, of some of the guys that committed and, and, uh, didn't go ahead and go through with it, which, you know, I get, you know, some, some people had some tough years and they were like, I, I need the, you know, a couple thousand dollars and, and can't afford to do it, but it, it did go um, pretty well. And, and we were able to raise, I think about a hundred and between 150 to 200,000, which sounds like a lot, That's like right? Which sounds like a lot. It's yeah. Right. It, it is. It's only 10 guys and you know, we've, we've sent now over 50. So it's, you know, you could do the math. It, it adds up and it's super expensive, sore. you know? Yeah. And our, and our give back, our give back rate, because like our give back rates actually uh, about 98%, you know, we got a little bit of admin cost and, you know, website and that type of stuff. But, you know, as far as a, as a nonprofit, you know, a lot of nonprofits are only 50, 60, 70% give back and we're, we're 98%. So. That's, that's one of the reasons why I'm I'm so supportive. I always look at that stuff wherever I'm given of charity and stuff like that. What's the give back rate? And if it's not normally at least 80% or better, like I know bigger runs, they got to have people running it and all the other good stuff. I get that part of it. But if it's, you know, we're, we're sending out 
um, 10% of it and keeping 90, I probably got a problem with that one. Absolutely. It's not exactly the, what the intent was. So, um, first off, uh, whatever you, uh, any way that you feel like we could be of, of assistance to hold people's feet to the fire and actually get that thing done. I'm, I'm willing. Okay. Like I'll throw it out there. I'll, I'll make everybody look bad if I have to, like, if you give your word on something, do something that regardless. Right. Um, I do want to throw something out there too. Um, and I, this is just spur of the moment. I wasn't going to do this. I wasn't planned or anything like that. I'm sitting here going, Hey, we did something like this in the past. I want to do it again. Um, everybody that comes to our top rep event that uses this code that I'm about to give, which is R I R 200. So let's save 200 bucks off of top rep, uh, sending their sales guys to it. We'll give another hundred dollars to roofers and recovery. So, you know, we, we get quite a few people. I'm going to put that out there. It'll be in the show notes today. I'll put out a post about it today. If you want to share that, you know, everything that comes off of that, we'll, we'll throw a hundred bucks at that. And then, um, we want to be a participate on is June 2nd, national roofer day this year. June Second Friday. Yep. Our participation won't be like a roofers, I don't think. Like I know you guys do pretty well, uh, but we'll we'll take the profits for a day. All right, we'll take a profits for a day, not just a client, but a day, and say, hey, let's put that towards roofers and recovery. Wow, Um, thank you. So uh, we'll we'll be part of that. We're not even a roofer, but we we do help in this industry, and I think I think industry partners should be up for this. Like the the healthier. And better we can make the human beings, the more that they're going to be companies that uh, we want to work with. So I'm I'm good with that one. Now, the last thing, I know I've kept you for a while here, and I don't want to take your whole day, but um, it, it, like you didn't have enough to do already. Right? I got this roofing business. I got Sturman in the new era. We're doing that. Uh, we got we to gotta go to Florida and help with this hurricane. And uh, we got this roofers in recovery thing. And then we got National Roofers Day. And hey, you know what? While we're at it, let's go and do share with us, Paul, what that is. So we are so blessed and fortunate to be able to announce this. But um, a crit- uh, well, with Christmas Day, I think it was Thanksgiving-ish era time. We, uh, my old hometown in Alamos, Colorado, we passed by a location that was an old youth track center, which meant it's for juvenile delinquents. And it closed down about three years ago. So the building's been set and vacant. And uh, it's 30 bed unit. And we were just, it just really kind of got put on us. That would be a ideal location for a rehab. So we actually went through the whole process and met with the county commissioners, all seven counties in the San Luis Valley. And we are pleased to announce as of uh, January 18th, which I guess is tomorrow. I was going to say, isn't that tomorrow? Yeah, that is tomorrow. We are closing on the purchase of our own facility to start our own rehab center. So So you, you close tomorrow, sign the paperwork, you get a key, right? Yes, yes. And we got to do, I would imagine that place like pristine castle and the whole bit is beautiful. It's okay. It's, a, <laughs> it's got a, it's got a gel vibe to it. And so our intention is to, um, we've, we're going to have about 250 to $300,000 in, in remodel. Um, we really want it to be a, a nice, you know, state of the art top line facility. Uh, we've partnered with a, a lot of great people across the country to uh you know for our curriculum and and different things that we that we need for it um but we are super blessed to be able to open this facility one thing that will really help us is is we'll be able to control our costs a little bit more and so instead of spending fifteen thousand dollars to send a person the rehabs that we're currently doing which by the way may sound like a lot to a lot of people but that's cheap yeah, I promise you, if you've ever looked for a rehab, they're, they're a lot more than 15. But we really think we're going to be able to, um, you know, according to our business plan and, and model, we're going to be able to control that cost and and really get people in at a, at a smoking deal and just be able to serve a lot more people across the country. That's super cool. And, and you know, when I heard the name, like this, you guys put this out last week or the week before, I think it was the week before. And uh, the... There, you had like a picture and there was announcement of it. I think Kimberly had put it on her stuff. And I, I mean, I immediately like sent a message. 
I, I got to get you guys on. I want to help with this. I want to bring awareness to this. I want people to understand that this is something that's important in our industry, especially in an industry with easy uh, entry, right? It's just what happens in our world. When you put easy entry with lots of money, bad things happen. And for you guys to do what you're doing to help resolve some of those bad things, it's just awesome. I, I wish there was more of this going on in our world. It's that it's that hope that it gives me that, okay, human beings aren't, it's not the end yet. It might be coming, but it's not yet. Like we got good people on this planet still. Um, so January or yeah, January 18th, you close. What's the expected like, hey, we'll have things in a place where we could start bringing people in. Any idea yet? Yeah, we're looking Q3 this year, Q3 okay. this year. And um, we, we should be up and running and, and fully functional and, and staffed. And, um, you have know, you, we're also. Have you guys thought about like reaching out to some of these um, mission groups and having them come help do maybe some painting and that kind of stuff to get it up to up to snuff? We have not. That's a, actually a great idea to be able to do. Um, we were going to present it to kind of the community and, you know, we've getting a lot of good feedback from them. Good. So. But um, we're we're hoping for that. But some of those mission groups, I think, would be a, a good a good source as well. Yeah, if you need to get in touch with any of those folks, let me know. I got I got I know I know some people, <laughs> and and I want to come there and like help too. Like I would love to come and help out for a week, and get some stuff done. We're super excited and and just fortunate that we're able to 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 do this. It's it's a lot of work and it's a it's a lot of money, and you know we uh, we just know it's the right thing to do. That's cool. Um, so I like the name, like, and, and I think the name was probably the name because giving us some hope in the San yep. Luis Valley. Is that right? Yeah, hope in the San Luis Valley. Yes. There's like an yeah. there's like an alternative to that though. Like you're at the bottom of that valley right now. Things are as bad as they possibly yeah. can be. This is a place where you can come and find some hope and maybe climb out of that valley of desperation. I was like, I love how that name kind of fit what. Uh, folks were going through. Was there any thought about that at all? Whenever you guys it, put it together, it, it was man because when when I was getting sober, I had I literally had zero hope right in life, and at some point I just had a little bit of hope that maybe tomorrow will be a little bit better, right? And so hope has been a huge word for for me in my life, just to just to hang on to a little bit of hope. Like that's what got me through so many days was was just the hope of, of whatever. And I think it was so important just for, for people to kind of understand what that word really means and what it does. You know, I mean, there's so many people struggling in, in life and, and they, they feel like they have no hope. But sometimes when someone's able just to give them a little gleaming of, of something, right, they're able to grasp a hold of that and, and change their entire trajectory in life. I mean, you you have to think about what we're doing right now. We're affecting generations. Yeah, you know, like if, I mean, if, you're changing the possible outcome well, down the line for uh, you know, yeah. like you said, generations for forever. Hopefully, you know, yeah. And we're we're trying to break generational curses. You know, yeah. Like, there's a lot if, of that if, out there. Th there really is, and and when you're able to do that, my goodness, think of the people that you can affect. You know, it's yeah. just not about the one guy. I, I'm, I've seen so many guys in roofers and recovery. My all-time favorite story was this one guy, like, he was struggling, and, and he went to rehab, and he's clean and sober today. And when I see his wife on Facebook, she's smiling, and her yeah. kids are smiling. Like, that's my old – it's like why we do this. Like, and it completely changed these guys' trajectory. I mean, I don't know all the details, but I, I mean, don't think their marriage was to... that great at the time. And yeah, he's probably on a path to a broken home, divorce, yeah. kids uh, right. trying to be back and forth, seeing their dad go through stuff like that, and thinking that that was normal. So, yeah, I mean, that's powerful. It is just so powerful uh, what you guys are about and what you're doing. I love your focus on it. I love the team working together on it. Um, and we want to help. We want to help get that message out there. So keep us up to date. Uh, we'll we'll Absolutely. you know make we'll make posts out in, in our world as well. Um, we want to keep this front and center. I don't want it to be one of those things. Is like, hey, there's a bunch of noise about it, and it goes away. Consistency wins, and so uh, we want to try and help you make it that way. Paul, 
if somebody wanted to give to roofers in recovery, so we're, we're getting guys into recovery, we've got a building that we need to invest some money in, what would they do? How would they go about doing that? So a couple of ways. One, they could obviously call me at any time. But secondly, and the quickest, easiest way is to get on um, roofersinrecovery.org, O-R-G. And uh, there's a donate now button, but roofersinrecovery.org. All right. So we got roofersinrecovery.org. Now, I'm one of the 200 contractors that's going to give the profits on National Roofing Day to roofers in recovery. Like, let's let's go for it. Let's go hard at this. Um, how do I get signed up for that? So in a, within a couple of weeks, we'll have a, a link on our website. Um, we're starting that process now that you'll be able to click on that and, and join it from there. Also, at a few of the different events that are that are coming up, there'll be some sign-up sheets. Uh, I believe at April Hall's event that is coming up, we're going to have that. At Randy Brothers' event, um, we're going to have a sign-up sheet as well. But there'll be different sign-up sheets at, at different roofing events. Or, you know, just call myself or Eric or Kim. Yeah, don't put your name on there and don't fill out a form if you're not going to hold on to your word. Just don't do it. It's a waste of everybody's time and effort and energy. You feel the need. God's talking to you saying, hey, you know what? I should maybe give back to this industry that's been very good to me. Um, might be a great way to do it to serve another human being. And Paul, it's tax deductible. Yeah, it's tax. Like, that's the thing, too. We, <laughs> we actually have it budgeted in what we do, like our charitable giving. And yep. uh, we're, we're trying to up that every year. And uh, Roofers and Recovery is on our list. We, we got... Love several it. things that we're about, but you guys are definitely on our list and uh, we want to help and serve this industry because it's been pretty, pretty doggone good to us over the years. That's right. Hey man, I know you're sitting there in a Marriott um, lobby dealing with vacuum cleaners and people talking. I really appreciate your, your patience. Uh, I know the listeners don't care one bit what that looks like because they got a little bit of time with Paul today. Um, do keep doing what you're doing. Just being an absolute rock star. I, I I love the time that we do get a chance to hang out together. You know, it's not as often as I would like, but we've we're both after a similar thing, seeing this industry become cleaner and more professional than it's ever been. So a lot of a lot. Thank you, brother. I, I appreciate uh your your friendship, number one. I appreciate what you guys are doing because you're 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 doing things the right way. And there's not too many people out there like you guys. And it's a great example for me. So I, I appreciate what you guys are doing and uh, we'll continue to work together to affect people every day. Thanks brother. We're just going to try and do a little better every day. We're never, we're never perfect. We're never good enough. Uh, so we got to add a little more every day. Hopefully we did that today with you on the show. Thanks for being on contractor radio and uh, I'll let you get on to helping and serving more people there in Fort Myers. All right, brother. Roofersrecovery.org. That's Paul Reed, uh, president and founder of Roofers and Recovery. Dude, absolute radar. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you later. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Bye. So, guys, that was Paul Reed. Uh, if you don't have a chance to to meet the guy and haven't had that opportunity, uh, reach out on Facebook. Like he'll friend you. You follow him on Facebook. Uh, the guy is spreading positivity in a world that has a lot of negativity, and that's the type of people we need to surround ourselves with. We need to be um, constantly vigilant on what is coming in to our world because whatever comes into our world is what's going to go out of our world. If you need help with your uh, contracting business, reach out to us. It doesn't cost anything. Uh, go to our website, contractorcoachpro.com. Fill out the contractor assessment link. We'll get a copy of that. And when we do, you're going to get an e invite right back to you with a link to our calendar for a real coaching session, not a sales pitch. We're going to look at that assessment and say, hey, based on this, these two or three areas are the areas that you could work on to get more control of your business so it can grow and allow you to get that personal and financial freedom you were chasing when you started it. Again, Contractor Coach Pro, fill out the assessment and uh, hang out with one of our coaches and maybe get a golden nugget or two to help you break through that next level or barrier in your business. If you like the coaching, you want to coach with us, great. We can help you get to pretty much anything you want to get to. We've had some pretty crazy things that people want to try and do. We have to balance that with what's the sacrifice you're willing to make 
But once we understand that and we're both on the same page, bam, we can run for it. And uh, we have a high success rate in the 90%. As long as you do the work, everything should go great. As long as we deliver, everything should go great. If we don't, you should fire us. Thanks for hanging out with us here at Contractor Radio on this week's episode. We'll see you again next week. Paynet podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and are made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPainted.org.